0: So it's Valentine's Day, and um, I, I don't know about you, but I knew today was coming. Uh, I there was, There's been advertisements on television, there's been um, uh, billboards, there's been all, all this kind of stuff. I knew today was coming, and if you're like me, men, there are some Valentine's years that you're more prepared for than others, okay? And so... Lisa and I have been married for 20 years, and uh, some—not this year, but some years—I'm driving home on Valentine's, realizing, "Oh no, it's Valentine's!" I swing into the 7-Eleven, get a Butterfinger and <laughs> some, some, something, you know, and I'm just like, "Here," you know. I, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I knew the day was coming. It's not like I didn't know it I mean it it's been on TV, you know he, he went to Jared the whole thing, and they got the they got the commercials with the you know the guy. Who does all this stuff? Don't you hate that guy? He's like, he like does a, a heart shape uh, on the lawn in snow, and then you know the blue angels fly by, and he's he's got his pendant, you know his twelve hundred dollar pendant, and she's just so oh, and you know. And then there's the one where they're in the uh, they're in the cabin, and it's raining, and the thunder hits, and she gets scared, and he's like, "I've got you." You know, and then he, ha- he has it right there because somehow he got God to do a thunderclap. I don't know how he did that because if I knew that would be killer in a sermon, by the way, because God's talking to you. <laughs> you know, right. So it turns and he's just like, and I'll always be here. You know, oh, right. You know, the day's coming, men. Sometimes we're not prepared. And so women are like, yeah, that's right. But it's happened to you too, women. You're like, no, you know, there's a birthday maybe coming up. And you're like, oh, I got to go get that gift. I got to go get that gift. Or... uh, uh, you know, there's a, maybe a sh- baby shower or a, a wedding shower or, you know, a lingerie shower or whatever. And you're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't pick anything up. You swing in and you're just like, I don't know if it fits, but that's what she's getting. And you just show up and there you are. There's a day coming and you're going to have to account for it to see how prepared you are. And it shows up in, in the form of a, of, a, of a present. This happened to me when Lisa and I first got married um, we had dated for six years, and we got, we we got married, and Lisa's mom pulled me aside, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go, you know, take care of her, you know, whatever. She says to me, "Um, you know, you're responsible for her Christmas stocking. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, got it, okay. Christmas is, okay eight months away okay well thanks for the thanks for the information so as we go and you know and 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 her family you have to understand i don't use the word obsessive very much <laughs> but christmas is a is a big deal okay it's a big deal and and and, and it's christ's birth and everything i, I understand all that but like, so time would go on. And then, you know, it just, you'd just be over at the house and everything. And then, you know, it would just come up. Oh, and you know you're responsible for Lisa's stocking, right? Yeah, I got it. Okay, I understand. So the way Lisa's family does Christmas is they get, uh, it's, it's a 2 You can't just do it in, in one day. It's, 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 it's an event. It's a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a system. And the night before uh, Christmas Eve, everyone goes out to dinner and then they open up the stockings. Now, in my family, my stocking every year consisted of three things. Batteries, whether I had anything that used batteries or not, batteries, pencils, and socks. The Socks fill it out a little bit, you know, so that it doesn't look too empty. That that was my stocking. And so Lisa's mom just kept saying over and over, you're responsible for the stocking. I'm like, I got it. Batteries, pencils, and (laughs) socks. How, okay, that's one trip to Target, two aisles, okay, come on now. So, you know, so the time's coming, and we get there, and and so we're having dinner, everything's cool, it's Christmas, we're with our family, it's cool, you know, and everyone's talking about, oh, let's go home and open the stockings, let's go home and open the stockings, and it was about that time that it occurred to me, you know, these stockings are really important, wow now see i knew the day was coming i knew it was christmas time i even knew i was responsible for the stockings but what i didn't understand was how important it was going to be so we get back to the house and they pull out the stockings and i'm like did the jolly green giant wear that I mean, it was like, and here's your stocking, you know. And so they're just like pulling stuff out. I mean, it's like a microwave, wow, you know. All all this stuff out of the I'm like, how does that even happen? How can you even do that? And not only that, it made it worse because the way they do stockings, it's not like, you know, here's your stocking and then everyone opens it up. It's like everyone gets their stockings and then they go around and they open one gift. Then all the way around. Then the second gift. Uh, The third gift. Fourth gift. And what did you get? Oh, right. So you can imagine when my brother-in-law's first gift to his wife, out of the top of the stocking, was a ring. And I'm like, man, I hope she likes batteries. (laughs) I really, I mean, they are... Yeah, those are D batteries. Those are the biggest kind you can buy. So those are good. Those are energizers. Yeah. The feeling I had, I I can't even, because it went around and then, and I'm like, and and you could just see your mom. I told him he was responsible for the stockings, right? I knew the day was coming. I knew I was responsible, but I didn't understand how serious it was. And man, I felt... I'm the, I could have climbed inside the stocking I want, and just, just, you know, put, pulled the sock over me and just, oh boy. Okay, but, and so I went, I, I, after this, I went to Lisa, I said, listen, this is never going to happen again. That's so what I told her, I said, I, I, next year, I'm, just, I got, I'm like, boop, boop, boop. You know, they're like, come on, come on, bring it in. You know, the gate comes down, the stocking comes shooting out. And she's like, oh my gosh. Yes, there's a Lexus in there, actually, if you just, because right. so, I felt so terrible. I had to make up for it. And praise God, we've had like 19 more Christmases to make up for. But I don't know, have you ever experienced that where you're there at the event and you are now coming to task for an event you knew was happening and you knew you were going to be responsible, but you had no idea it was this serious? That's what we're talking about this morning we're going over one month to live and what if we had only a month to live or 30 days to live and, 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 and when we see people who are about to die, we notice that um, their life makes some changes. They have, they're more serious about relationships or they don't care about little things as much. And what we've tried to do is we've tried to tap into that. How would we live if we only had a month to live? And can we then keep that going if God gives us more than a month to live? And this morning we're talking about leaving boldly. And uh, there's a verse in John chapter 10, verse 10, that we go over every week. Uh, And it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And what we're trying to understand is, uh, through this, this one month to live, how do we tap into this life that's not wasted? Because there's two things I'm going to tell you this morning that you already know. I mean, the first one, even if you don't even believe in God, maybe your girlfriend dragged you here because you know she's into the church thing and you're trying to look good. It doesn't work, by the way. You know, she'll figure you out. But uh, I'm just playing. You're just like, really? No. Okay. So uh But you know, you might not even believe in God. You might be searching. You might be going through all sorts of stuff. But here's the thing: that all of us understand this universal truth. You're going to die, and this isn't to freak you out. Like you're like, man, you know what? My heart has been, you know, I feel a little pain down the. It's not to not to do any of that. It's a truth. And, and as Americans, we try to run from this. We take pills, we, take, we get juicers, and we throw stuff in there, and we try to get all the nutrients. We, we, try to, we have stuff that we can do, and we exercise, and we eat right. and We don't want to look old. We, we stretch parts of our body over, put them in places they weren't supposed to be to make it, you know, and just stuff that isn't right, you know, or stapling and tucking and nipping and all this kind of stuff because we don't want it to come. But here's the thing. We all know it's coming. And any time you have truth and you avoid truth, you pay the price of that. If you have financial difficulties and you just ignore it, you're going to pay a price. If you have relationship issues with your wife or your husband and you're just going to ignore it, you're going to pay a price. And the truth is, you are going to die. Every single one of us here is going to die. We all know that. The second thing is, you are going to have to give an account for your life. And if you're a Christian right now and you're saying, oh, yeah, I know, I know, but Jesus paid for that on the cross, you are going to have to give an account, Christian, you are going to have to give an account for your life. Your sin's been paid for, but you're going to have to give an account for how you spent your life here on earth. Now, Jesus says this, this verse about Jesus. I, I love this verse about Jesus. It's in Luke. And it says this, when the days were approaching for his ascension, in other words, he knew he was going to die, right? He knew what was coming. See, he, Jesus of all people knows this, that we are all committed once to die and, and, and we are going to have to give an account for our lives. And so when the day came, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he said, no, no, I'm not going to do I, I don't want to know anything about it. No, that's not what happened. He didn't pull all his friends around and go, you know what? I've been kind of a jerk for the last three years. I just want to make everything right. No. When the day came for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. He knew that day was coming, and he was excited about it. He said, I have done what my father has asked me to do, and now it comes time for me to give an account for my life, and I am ready. And in, in your books, as we've been reading One Month to Live, the name of this section is Leave Boldly. He was ready to leave boldly. He, got, he, he, he had it. And see, all of his ministry has been talking about, and it's been very difficult for me to make this connection, and hopefully I can make it better than I did first service. Your life now has an impact on eternity. We talked about this for two years, four months in Matthew every single week. The kingdom of God starts now. And there's a day coming that you are going to die. And on that day, you are going to have to give an account for how you spent your life. And Jesus says it this way. He says, anyone who hears my commands, if you listen to me, and you put it into practice, you obey it, your life will be like that of a person who builds his house on the rock. And when the storm came, when the floods rose, when the winds blew, it stood. He wasn't just talking about today. The what how we respond today affects our future. Here's here's how we're going to say it this morning as we go over this topic, and you can write it down on your bulletin there. There are no sacrifices, only investments. There are no sacrifices, only investments. See, oftentimes when we talk to our kids, we say, well, I sacrificed so much for you, and you know, blah, blah, blah. What we're really saying is, I've invested so much, and I don't like the return I'm getting. That's actually what you're saying. See, in Christ, the way we were created was, we have these opportunities here on earth. And every time you decide not to say that thing, or you decide not to turn that on, or you decide not to open that catalog, or you decide not to think that thought, you're not making a sacrifice for Jesus. You're making an investment into eternity. Every single time. It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment. And what I want us to do is I want us to try and tap into this idea that you're given insider information every single day to make the best investments you possibly can in your life. Now, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and we call it 1 Corinthians, and they didn't get that, bless you, they didn't get that, letter very well, and so he had to send them a, a second letter. But in the first letter, what Paul is saying uh, to them is, guess what? You're going to die, and you're going to have to make an account. And he, here's where he says it. It's in, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It says this. It's talking about building your life on a foundation of uh, Jesus. It says this. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. He say, "But I'm just going to be happy to get to heaven. I, I'm here to tell you, there's an event that's coming. And I don't think we understand how serious it is, how important it is. That when we show up with our life and we say, here's what I got, you will care very much about what you have to offer. And whether or not we can connect it, and this is my this is my goal this morning, and I, whether I do it well or not, it's going to be your goal as the week goes on. Can we connect with the fact that every little decision you make, the decision not to burst out, the decision to be patient, the decision to uh, forgive when, when wrong, the decision to uh, not place money in one thing and place it in another thing, the, the decision to not think those thoughts, the decision to not turn that on, the decision to enter into this conversation, all those decisions are not sacrifices for God, they're investments in eternity. So he goes on. He says, he says, this. Um verse 12. Would it, it'll be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. What day is that? That is the day of judgment. And Christian, I know you're sitting in your mind going, oh, I don't have to worry about that day. Jesus covered all my sins. This is not the white throne of judgment and revelation. This is a day when God is going to look at your life and see what you did with it, and you will be held accountable for it. Not for eternity. We'll get to it in a second will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Now watch. It goes on. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flame. God is very serious about your life. One of the verses in John that's uh, really uh, important kind of as we look at this is in John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father and here's what he says. He says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. See, Jesus knew that obeying his heavenly father was vitally important for all eternity. And you say, well, that's because he died on the cross. I mean, for him, it was different than for me, right? Let's go to the verse in Ephesians. It says this, don't miss this, please. This is so vitally important. For we, meaning you and me, we are God's workmanship, created. You were created for a purpose. We're going to stop there, keep that up. Listen, you see, oftentimes we think in terms of grandeur. Like, well, I wasn't created for very much because I don't have that much money and I'm not that smart and I grew up in an abusive home and I just barely got out of that and I just came to know Jesus and I'm, I don't know anything. You were created by God. You are His workmanship for a reason. Now watch. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now those good works, again, aren't great works. It's not you were created to change the world in one week by inventing something. No, you were created for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now now listen, pay attention. When you leave here, you're probably going to go out to lunch. You might even be thinking of that right now. Like, man, Subway, now they're all $5? Oh, yeah, right? You might be writing notes to each other going, Subway? No, Carl's Jr. No, Subway. Okay, pay attention to me. On your way there, I'll bet you God has a good work for you to do. Something that's going to last for eternity. While you're in line, God's probably gonna have a good work for you to do. When you get home, God's probably gonna have a good work for you to do. It's gonna be something small. It might be just, you know what? I was gonna make fun of that person. I'm not gonna do that. would be dishonor. They're made in God's image. That would be dishonoring. Or you're gonna make a joke. Or you were gonna do. God gives us these opportunities. They're not sacrifices. They're opportunities for investment into eternity, every little one of them. And when we get to this day that Paul's talking about, we will have to give an account for when we were in line at Subway. We will give an account for the time we had a chance to talk to our daughter or our son and we chose to do something else because we, we, we were to build into that foundation. We will give an account for the website we we visited. Again, this isn't a thing where God's going, oh man, but it's so vitally important and here's what's going to happen. We're going to get there and we're going to see him for who he is. And we're going to say, I could have done more and it's going to bother us because of how great he is we are going to realize the opportunities we had. You say, but I don't have any money. It's not about money. You say, I don't have any education. It's not about education. It's about the fact that you were created by God for good works, which he prepared in advance for you to accomplish. And those good works don't have to be great works in in our mind's eye. You are building for eternity in your life, even as you sit here. And so there might be a ministry God wants you to be in. There might be a time in small group where God wants you to give a word of encouragement to someone. There might be a time when he says, you know what, I don't want you doing that or I want you out of this relationship or whatever. And you say, oh man, I don't know if I can sacrifice that. It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment to the future of when you go before your God and you say, here's what I have for you, my king. You will care. I don't know how to express it well enough. Because for me this week, I was just trying to connect with it too. And I had all week to think about it. So here's what happens. He, he gives them this word in 1 Corinthians, and apparently they don't get it. He says, look, you're building your life right now. And, and just before we move on to this other part of Corinthians, I want to speak a word to some of you who, a lot of times we talk about leaving a legacy. And that's like a big, Christians have gotten into this whole thing. I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy and all this kind of stuff. And so we think of it in terms of, you know, writing, whatever, okay? For some of you, your legacy is going to be demolition. Here's what I mean by that. For some of you, generation after generation in your family, there's been unhealthy patterns that have continued again and again and again. Some of you abuse your kids because you were abused, because your parents were abused, because their parents were abused. Some of you are alcoholics because your parents were alcoholics because their parents were alcoholics and their parents were alcoholics. The Bible calls this this sin kind of continuing on through the third and fourth generation. And so your legacy is not going to be to build something. It's going to be to destroy something, to level it all out so that your kids now have a foundation to build on. Because we're all building, whether a solid foundation or a not solid foundation, on the generation before. I want to give you an example. I'm skipping around, and I told Truman, who's doing our overhead back there, if he messes up, it's my fault, because this morning I'm skipping all around my slides. If you go back to the slide of Garden Grove, that'd be great. See those guys? That is Garden Grove Free Methodist Church from... 19 whenever they had a car like that. I don't know what year that is, right? Now remember last week I was talking about judging people. If we were to look at them, we might say, aha, uh-huh, look at the car, look at the building, look at they wear suits and ties, and they, you know, who knows what, you know, now we have, we really know the word. They didn't really know the word back then, but now we've got all this information. And really got, We are here because of them. We don't know who they are. I couldn't tell you what anyone, I don't know when they, were, when they were born, when they died, but they made sacrifices. They built a foundation. They gave to that church. They, and now we all benefit from what they were doing. Now, if you were to ask each one of them, did you leave a legacy? Most of them would say no. But we're here because they did what God told them to do. That's leaving a legacy, to be obedient. So that what you do on earth counts for eternity. Okay, so now, now Paul didn't get it. Thanks, thanks Truman. Um, so they didn't get it in 1 Corinthians. So here's 2 Corinthians, the second book uh, or letter that Paul writes to this church in Corinth. And I want to read a little section before we get to it. It's first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, you, you, can, you can turn there if you want. It's in verse 1. Or you can just listen to what I'm going to say because I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit. Paul says this, now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed. Now what Paul's talking about is, he's basically saying in this section of scripture, we all die and we all give an account. And what he's starting off with is this, this terminology about we live in these tents, these like temporary tents. And the reason Paul uses this terminology is he was a tent maker. And so all he's doing is he's using the terminology of his work, which we all do. If you're a, if you're a uh, you know, working um, uh, in an office, you're kind of like, you know, it's kind of like we're in this cubicle. And all, you know, right? And then someday we're going to move, right? That's all he's doing. We live in these tents, these earthly tents. Uh, the tents... Uh, We know that if the earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So he's saying, I know that this life is temporary and that I'm going to heaven. That's encouraging, right? It's encouraging to know, okay, once I get through this, or maybe for some of you it's not. Maybe for some of you it's like, "Ah, that's depressing to me. We live in an eternal house not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We talk about that heaven's going to be cool, there'll be no sin, no crying, no anything like that. Because when we were clothed, uh, because when we are clothed, we are not found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We're all looking for heaven. So that what is mortal here? might be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God made you for a purpose, and here's what he did. He gave you breath, and he gave you the Spirit of God. Those are your resources. Your education is not your resource. Your money's not your resource. Your life and the Spirit of God. And one day, he is going to ask you, how did you do with your life and the Spirit of God? And you are going to care about your answer. And he's not going to look back and go, how much was in your bank account and this and that and this. He's going to go through the little things. Now watch, watch, this is awesome. This is what he's saying. Guaranteed what is to come. So the, the Holy Spirit's been given to us as a deposit, this glimpse of what's to come. Now watch. So, the re, be, because of that, we make it our goal to please Him. Well, if we're going to make it to heaven and everything's going to be fine and we no more tears and the whole bit and we're all good... Why make it your goal to please him? Because Paul knows something. Paul is connected with this idea that one day you're going to die and you're going to have to give an account for your life and you're going to care. And this is why you're going to care. Because you're going to see God for who he is. And you're going to go, I should have done more. I didn't know it was this important. I, I didn't know it would, it would give you more glory. I didn't realize that those little decisions were going to mean so much now. Our eyes are going to be open to that. It goes on. It says, so whether we are at home in the body or away from it, we make it our goal to please him. It goes on. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is not talking about salvation. Salvation is another judgment seat called the white throne of judgment. And what you did, whether good or bad, isn't going to make any difference unless Christ has paid for your sin. When we sin to an eternal God, before an eternal God, we pay for it eternally. It takes us eternity to pay that back. But what Christ did on the cross was he paid for it now. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about a time. What Paul's doing is he's making reference to what would happen in that day. The judges would come out and they'd bring the cases before them and they would bring up and they'd hear all the facts and they would make a judgment. And so they all understood this. And that's how their case law would be done. They'd be like, no, it's just like Joe. When, you, when he was before you, he did this. He is going to give you a reward. You, can, you don't have to put up. You're going to give you a reward of what you did with your life, with this deposit of the Spirit and the breath that he's been given you. And you will care. I will care when it gets there. We know the day's coming. And we're going to have to give an account on that day. Here's the thing. As we move forward in life, and we begin to kind of look, look, look back and, and see and go, man, God, God is a God of grace. And actually today, this very day, it can all change. Whether you've been a believer for 20 years and you go, you know what? I've wasted my life. I, look, I could have done more. We start this week going these little tiny things are deposits into eternity. We don't want to end our lives saying, realizing at that day, man, what did I do? I wasted so much money. I wasted so much time. I wasted so much energy being bitter and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm before the Lord and it's, t- it's gone all around the circle and now it's my turn. I knew the day was coming. I knew I was going to have to give an account and what I have isn't worth what he's worth. There's a man, Oscar Schindler. And uh, you might have known the... Uh, movie Schindler's List. It was about uh, his life and how he had done so much to sh- save the Jews. He saved 1,200 Jews. He did a lot of of, of great work. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's dead now, but um, but I mean, his work moved on and there were uh, generations of, of, of Jews that were alive because of him. But I want to show a video clip that kind of... I hope, shed some light even with all that was done when he realized the gravity of having been able to do more but didn't. There's going to come a day that you're going to have to give an account for every thought, every action, not for judgment in eternity, But what did you do with the life you were given, with the deposit of the Spirit that you were given? And it will so happen that for me and for you and for everybody within the sound of my voice, they'll say it was just one thought. If I had just given that one thought over to God, this is what I'd have now. It was just one statement, one fly off the handle, what's the big deal? It's not a big deal now. But when we see God for who he is and we realize what we could have done with that one statement and we see how much of eternity it makes a difference, it's all I had to do was just control my tongue. All I had to do was just follow through with my time, with my talents, with my money, all I had to do was just forgive that person and look at the difference it would have made. And, and again, I, I don't do this to depress us or to, you know, a Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. <laughs> it's like, I don't want your stinking flowers. Uh, right? I don't do it to depress us. I want us to connect with how valuable your life is now. Regardless of your education, your money, your how you look, your weight, all, none of that, it's irrelevant to eternity. But you have and I have the, the ability to change eternity, to somehow give God more glory. We take our crowns, these things that he's given us, our rewards, and we, and we bring them, we offer him, them back to him. And that's when we say, I could, I could have given you more. I could have done more. You say, I'll just be happy to make it to heaven you will be happy to make it to heaven. But all through Scripture, Jesus, Paul, Peter, make reference to this thing that you will care more about how we live today than you can ever imagine.